Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. For the next eight weeks, the Rewatchables will be covering eight films that are incredibly rewatchable despite having one major flaw. So far, we've covered the movie Higher Learning, and this Wednesday, Bill Simmons, Chris Ryan, and Ryan Russillo are talking about the 1985 wrestling classic, Vision Quest. So make sure and check out the flawed Rewatchables on the Rewatchables feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Joining me in a hallway in snowy Indianapolis, Indiana, the heartbeat of the NFL universe this week, it's Danny Kelly. Danny, it's draft season, baby. Yeah, I love this time of year, man. I'm super excited about it. Do you like Indianapolis as a combine host? I do. Me too. It's not bad. I mean, it's, you know, it's not necessarily like a tropical destination that we can go to in these cold winter months, but the good thing is like a lot of, you can get around in these gigantic buildings and the walkways between the buildings is it was well designed to to like get people around so that's kind of nice yes it is a convenient place and i would not be opposed to it remaining here for a long time so the news speaking of indianapolis is that last night nfl owners and the nfl pa met in a hotel in downtown indianapolis i was at the hotel and I did what you do during labor negotiations, which is you just sit around and wait for nothing. Um, I was there for a few hours. Some reporters were there for even longer. The players and the uh, ownership were there for, you know, basically till about 10 p.m. trying to hammer through a negotiation. Uh, this is a very strange negotiation. This is not like it was in a decade ago um, yeah. at the beginning of the CBA because there is no lockout. Um, we're a year out from any potential uh, deadline as far as a season not starting on time or training camp not starting on time, but yet there seems to be a sense of urgency. NFL owners want to get a deal done by the start of the league year. Um, this is really affecting a ton of competitive things that we're not thinking enough about as far as, you know, are there going to be two tags this year? Um, is free agency going to have more money? Uh, is there going to be a $100,000 bump in the minimum pay this year? Or is that going to happen next year when, when, if a CBA is hammered out this time next year? I mean, there are a ton of little things that this affects. And obviously, um, it has gotten to be a very strange situation. So essentially, uh, the NFLPA has forwarded the proposal to its players. They will vote in the next couple of weeks. But on the other hand, Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, and now Aaron Rodgers have come out and been huge critics of this proposed deal. So you have some of the most influential players in football coming out against it. The NFLPA is taking it to a vote. Whether or not, you know, Mike Tannenbaum this morning made the point that the $100,000 bump in the minimum pay is going to be huge for the rank and file, the bulk of players going forward. Um, I don't know how this plays out because I don't think anybody does. When I stop people in the hallway, be it on the player side or the ownership side or the league office side, um, I get a different answer every single time. Um, it is a strange situation and it's going to affect a lot of little things. Danny, what do you think about this negotiation so far? I mean, my basic sort of impression is that it's just happened extremely, extremely quickly. I right. mean, you, met, you referenced the last time this happened, it, it dragged on and on and on. And there was this threat of a strike and all this stuff. And this one is just moving extremely quickly. It kind of just snuck up on us. And some of these changes that they're proposing in this, in this new CBA are pretty, pretty massive. I mean, you're talking about 17-game season, which is unheard of, unprecedented. It's going to change kind of everything about the sport. It's going to change strategies. It's going to mm -hmm. change a whole bunch of stuff. Um, they're going to expand rosters potentially. They're going to expand game day rosters, change the off season. So 
one of the proposals is that they're going to have fewer padded practices, meaning like less wear and tear on players during the offseason, um, during preseason and training camp and all that. So yep. you could potentially have a, a different looking product in the beginning of the season because you, the football could actually be a little bit sloppier. Um, things like that. And it, we saw that a lot at the beginning of the last CBA. Yeah. Because I don't think teams really figured out how to run practice. Exactly. When there wasn't practice, essentially. This was not, you couldn't do two-a-days. You couldn't do unlimited padded practices. And I think it took a while for the average NFL coach to reckon with that fact. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is going to be something that 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 takes effect. If it goes if it goes through, and I was just reading a piece on NFL.com that it's, I think Tom Pelissaro said it's like on the one yard line and it's mm-hmm. pretty much surely going to pass. We'll see if that happens, but this could have just momentous impact for the next like three years. Like you're saying, it's going to have, it's going to make teams completely have to try to adapt to these new rules and, and the new style and, and trying to get players all the way through the season, whether that means they try and like, you know, do more wear and tear management, things like that. It's just going to be very interesting kind of see how that all goes. So this is this is potentially massive, massive. Management. So essentially what is left to be done and what some of the players have been cautious about, some of the star players, is that they don't think that the owners have given up enough for that 17th game. And right. I think that, you know, Allen Robinson, um, who's one of the best receivers, when you factor in who he's played <laughs> he's with as quarterback yeah. um, in the NFL, he said, get the franchise tag out of there. That's something that I've talked to mm. a lot of players about. They, you know, The franchise tag does so much as far as keeping prices down for superstars, yeah. players like Aaron Rodgers, quite frankly. Um, it depresses value, and I, they're not getting anything close to that. They're not getting um, any healthcare gains. They're not getting really anything except a couple of what are called quality of life concessions and Mm -hmm. that means you know less padded practice or less uh times to show up in april or may right and then um you know if some some training camp stuff give backs and then the the big thing is that it's been resolved that they there will not be a cap on the 17th game salaries which was initially proposed last week and so i think that that is where a lot of the star players are coming from that that package is currently presented is not enough to add 17 games which is another week of practice another i mean still a another, huge chance to get hurt yeah, yeah there's a lot of collisions in week right. 17 and so i think that that's the thing to watch but again i think that um the vote here is going to be very fascinating all of the votes whether that was from the executive committee um or the player reps they've all been very close yeah and you only need 51 percent here i this is legitimately even though it, it seems very inside baseball and there's a year out, so I think the interest has, has not been all that. Um, I, I think that there's, the interest is not nearly as high as it would be if, if this was happening this time right. next year because right. I don't think people think that games are being threatened or anything like that. But I think that from a competitive standpoint, this is one of the most interesting things in the last couple of years, how this all plays out, when it plays out. Jenny Varentis reported um, they're kind of looking at when maybe they push the league year start back, you know, it's, it's Mm. March 18th. Now, um, the franchise tag window, does that change because there's CBA uncertainty? Uh, you know, like if you're the Cowboys right now and Calvin Watkins reported, they won't even talk to Dak or Amari Cooper in any serious way until there's clarity on the situation. You don't know anything. You don't know if you're going to have two tags, which totally changes how you approach the Byron Jones situation and the Amari Cooper situation. Obviously, the Dak Prescott situation, I mean, they're going to tag him regardless or try to sign him to a big deal. But if you're Patrick Mahomes, do you wait until next year you know, when there, when there's more money, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, there are so many angles to this. And I think that again, because 
No games are being threatened. There's not a lot of attention on it, but this is a huge, huge deal for how the next decade of football is going to shape up. And I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. And even in the short term, you know, if this does go through, say it goes through today or the, in the next few days, mm-hmm. there's going to be, I think there's been a backlog of activity that's like you, Without like a doubt. you said, just kind of like slowed everything down. This has been a huge, huge bottleneck to like deals getting done, all that stuff. So if this goes through, we could eventually see, we could we could pretty much quickly see like an avalanche of, of movement from, from all these things, all these stories that we've been kind of waiting on. So um, it's definitely kind of an exciting time. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this all plays out. Okay. We've got that. We've got the draft. Tom Brady might be a free agent. <laughs> yeah. There's a million things happening in Indianapolis, Indiana this week. The in- basically, the entire sport is here. Yeah. Bill Belichick standing in the rain at Middle Tennessee State University watching a draft prospect. That's all you need to know about Bill Belichick right now. <laughs> what a I legend. I didn't actually see that. Is what it, was there a, a legend. Tweet about that? Oh, absolutely. Middle yes. Tennessee tweeted it out. Oh, my God. Everybody he's in a the true, league, He's a true scout. There's a couple of teams didn't send coordinators this year or whatever, but every head coach, there's probably 31 head coaches within about 500 feet of us right now, and one of them <laughs> is just Tennessee grinding State. at Middle Tennessee State. But let's get to the draft, because Danny yeah. Kelly, you're the author of the finest draft guide on the internet. Thank you. And there's, there's, it is now, we're at 2.0, is that correct? Yeah, so we, we've updated the, we've gone from 32, the top 32, to the top 50. We're oh, going to wow. continue to expand that, full scouting reports on uh, each of these players on my top 50 list. And you can kind of go through, you can skim, you can peruse, you can go like a deep dive into everything. Mm-hmm. It's very, very cool. Very, very pretty, I guess. Interesting looking uh, UI. So it's, it's just a very, very cool thing to kind of peruse. Anybody, in, now that you've gone to 50, anybody you've fallen in love with that you hadn't with the initial when 1.0 came out? Yeah, I would say the, the one guy that I think jumped up the most in this was a linebacker from LSU, Patrick Queen. He's just very, very... He, he was a late declare, um, mm-hmm. so he's a junior, and so they weren't sure necessarily if he was going to declare or not. Just very, very rangy, speedy, kind of the definition of a modern linebacker, like a guy who can blitz, who can cover, who can do kind of it all. He's a little bit undersized, but um, he has just the build of a, of a linebacker, like very, very long arms so he can tackle, uh, you know, explosive, so he can kind of cut, like go through creases in the line and blitz and all that. So he's a very, very exciting player. Um, I didn't have him on my top 32, but now he's at 27. So he he rose up quite a bit. I like him a lot. He's just he's just a fun guy to watch. Okay, so we're going to do a couple things with the combine here. We're going to look for, we're going to go by position for some of the, the more interesting positions this year. And then we're going to do some destinations and then some questions you want answered during testing. Yeah. Testing, by the way, is it night this year? It's in prime time. Yeah, totally that's, different. that's like the big question too for me is how is this whole prime time thing going to work? Because the combine has been, the same for as long as I've been here, mostly like the schedule of it. Also, and, for NFL people, the combine is a booze fest. Yeah, no, no, and it's now all and now night. they actually have to watch <laughs> things. Are it's, people going to have to write about all this stuff at like eleven p.m. Eastern time? It's going to be like deadline writing, and yeah, the, I wonder if the bars are pissed off about this right now. Uh, life finds a way, is what I would say <laughs> to that. As far as the combine, yeah, and, and boozing. Um, so let's start with the quarterbacks yeah. because Joe Burrow talked. This week, he will play for Cincinnati, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the narrative that he wouldn't uh, kind of got really far out there in the last week or so. He yeah. put that to bed for now um, until further notice. But it looks like and until until something else comes out, and it <laughs> might, um, I, I, I do believe Joe Burrow will be a Cincinnati Bengal. Right. He will not throw right. on Thursday. 
Um, when you look at who will throw, what do you want to see and who are you watching at the combine? So there's two main guys that I'm very interested in watching. Um, the first guy, Jordan Love, who is he's definitely a very controversial, I think, prospect because in his last season, he threw 20 touchdowns to 17 picks. He had a bunch of just really bad decisions. Um, however, there and if you go back a, a year prior, he had a very good season, had generated a lot of hype, kind of like as a top first-round type of guy. He's still probably going to be a top 20, top 15 pick potentially, even mm-hmm. though his last season was so shaky. Um, because there's some there's some extenuating circumstances around his season. Like he lost his coach, lost. I think I saw nine out of his eleven starters on the team changed. So it was basically going in, re trying to like trying to restart that whole offense. He just did not do well. Made some bad decisions uh, in terms of where to go with the football and things like that. Um, got a little bit too aggressive in trying to carry the team. I think I called him Yolo Marcus Mariota. You did. He, which I I want to I want to expand on that for a second. So <laughs> yeah, Yolo Marcus Mariota was your description of him. Yeah, but you have a lot of great descriptions here. You have um, Henry Ruggs. You have Mini Martavis Bryant. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of players as the slim versions <laughs> right. of other people. Joe Burrow, slim, an, slim mm-hmm. Andrew Luck. Well, so CD Lamb is slim DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So I go through and when I'm making uh, the com- the comps. A lot of it is like athleticism, how they move, the style in which they're used, things like that. And sometimes the comps aren't, they, they don't really work one-to-one because like they have a different body type or whatever. Like Burrow, to me, just the way that he can manipulate the pocket, keep plays alive, and move around, throw outside the pocket. And just the way he moved, honestly, just like the way his like shoulders look when he's throwing the football just reminded me a lot of Andrew Luck. And so that was kind of what, why I went with that. But he's just not as beefy as Andrew Luck. You know, so it's kind of like how I go about doing those for for Yolo Marcus Mariota. I kind of same deal with uh, Jordan Love. He's the type of guy who is, you know, he has a good arm, very good arm. You know, he, he can move around in the pocket. He can avoid pressure. And the difference being is Mariota over throughout his career for the most part was very efficient and, and mistake averse. Not necessarily late in the last couple seasons, but. That's not the story with Jordan Love. He's definitely like a very, very aggressive. Almost has some like Jameis Winston in him. So um, they, whoever takes him, whoever, whichever team, you know, falls in love with him and wants to wants to take him is going to have to kind of figure out how to, you know, massage those those decisions out of his game a little bit. Obviously, if he has a better supporting cast, I think it he, where he's not required to like completely carry the team. Mm-hmm. I think that would be important for him. Um, but yeah, he he's the kind of guy who very toolsy. Great arm, like I said. You know, he can move around. But there's just... He probably needs, like, a season to be to be the backup and kind of, like, develop a lot of those things and, and develop as a decision maker and things like that. So I'm very interested to see how he does. Um, there was some rumors that coming out of high school, he ran, like, a 5'1", so he's not necessarily, <laughs> like, a super speedy guy. And I couldn't confirm whether that's actually what he ran, but um, the reason... So, like, that's one reason I'm kind of, like, hoping that he'll run the 40 and kind of tell us exactly how fast he is because in the NFL these days I think teams are starting starting to see that you have to be able to move around you see like some of these quarterbacks in the last couple of drafts um, Daniel Jones and Josh Allen are two guys that I kind of remind me a little bit of of uh, love in the sense that the, they both had substandard stat lines in this in the season prior to being drafted in the top 10 you know you, you look at their stat lines from college and you're like that's not a top 10 pick and that's the same deal with Jordan Love 
Um, but teams are just they they become infatuated with like skill like the the skill set and the and the tools. And is so, there a team you'd want him to be on, or a type of team? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, obviously, I, the top team for me would be the Colts. Mm. And if they I sign think, if they sign a veteran like Philip Rivers, especially if they yeah. sign Rivers, because then they could have like this two year plan where Rivers is the starter at least this year, and then they develop Jordan Love behind him. Um, you know, obviously they've they've done a good job of you know, figuring out their offense after Andrew Luck sort of abruptly retired prior to last season. But I think, um, you know, they just have, they're just very good at designing an offense around their quarterback's strengths. And so I think that is, that to me is the team. Uh, Frank Reich, he's just really shown an ability to modify his offense and, and tailor it to his quarterback's needs. And so that team, I think, would be the top one for me. Any other quarterbacks that you're watching this week? Jalen Hurts is another very, very interesting Ooh. one to me because, you know, he's one of those guys who I, I watched him at the Senior Bowl. His ability, his like throwing ability just yeah. didn't really stand out. Okay. But at the same time, I mean, he did show accuracy a lot this year at Oklahoma and he was absolutely prolific as a passer and a runner. I think he scored 20, 20 times on the ground in addition yep. to, you know, his prolific passing stats. And so to me, he's a guy who I think. Some team is going to see his skill set and think that they can design an offense around his skill set. You know, he's not going to be, I don't think, for everybody. And that that goes, that's the same deal with like Herbert, that's the same deal with with Love. Like he's just not going to be for everybody. But um, his skill set to me is very, very intriguing. And and we've seen teams who are that are willing to, you know, kind of design their offenses. Same deal with the, what I was just saying about the Colts, like design their offenses around Mm-hmm. Their quarterback skill set, and that to me, those are the smart teams because that's absolutely what you should do. Not trying to fit a, a you know a round peg into a square hole or whatever. And so, he's another guy that I'm very interested to watch. He reportedly ran like a four four eight um, in 2017, so he's he's got some wheels. I'm guessing he'll probably run a little bit slower here, but if he can run in that four five four six range, I think that could boost his stock a little bit. Are you alarmed when you walk around Indy and there's prospects running in the hallways? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely funny when I've we were walking them, over here. Yeah, we yeah. Saw well, a guy. I, and also sometimes they throw in the hallways. Oh yeah, and it's yeah, like keep you your head cannot, on a swivel. Your head on a swivel. If you're looking down <laughs> and texting, I've actually never had a problem. But I've thought about it. So it's like, wow, man. If I turn the corner and I was texting, yeah. I get hit by a a Jordan Love pass and I get a concussion. <laughs> that's that's going to take me out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I if hear that. you so if if we're you are the draft guru, I defer to you on this. When you're watching the throws on Thursday evening with the quarterbacks. Give me one thing to watch for. That's you know that's tough because there's so many caveats to throw in when when you're talking about the combine throwing drills. Um, you know you're playing with guys that uh, they don't know and they don't like they have no practice with essentially. So it's definitely I, I would not put much stock into that, but I think just the overall accuracy is the big thing. Like yeah. your ability to like hit a guy on the run. Is there a know? guy that you're looking for with that? I think love love is yeah. one for sure, and I think Herbert too. Um, Herbert to me was a little bit scattershot, Justin Herbert of Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit scattershot with his accuracy. He's got all the tools. And, it, and again, it's like none of these quarterbacks are perfect prospects. Um, even Burrow and Tua have their, their hiccups that I think teams are going to have to deal with. But, um, like Herbert, Love, Hurts, all these guys are, are definitely sort of a, a rung below those two. And I think I, I'd love to see Herbert, you know, just kind of sling it, but have a lot of accuracy because he was, his, his aggressiveness sort of waxed and waned a bit in college, and his accuracy was very hit or miss. And so I think 
you know, he has, he could definitely kind of, I think, prove a lot of people that. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Josh Allen like put on a show at the at the combine, like oh, through like I an remember. 80 yard. How can you forget? <laughs> so I don't necessarily need him to do that, but maybe just like cut it loose a little bit. I think that could that could maybe bump him up in my mind a little bit if he gets like aggressive and, and kind of lets it loose. Okay. Pass rush. Chase Young not working out. No. Which is, I, I think we, I like to see testing numbers and he'll presumably do something later in the spring and yeah, we'll like get to see those. Day. But I love kind of knowing what you get. I remember a couple of years ago, everyone knew Miles Garrett was going to be the first, right. certainly the first pass rusher off the board and probably the first player off the board. Then he comes here, he puts up huge testing yeah. numbers and we yeah. just kind of put it to bed. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I remember that vividly and I, I would have liked the same for Chase Young. It is obviously um, until he feels right uh, if he doesn't have to do anything. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting some numbers from him whenever he wants to do it. Without that, Danny, what are you watching for with the testing with the pass rushers and, and just their, their general week here? Number one, I would say, and this has already happened, the, the weigh-in yeah. thing is important for some guys because... What did you weigh in at? Uh, what did I weigh yeah. in at? Uh, not, I, I asked them to not disclose that. Okay. It was above 200 pounds. It's just where I needed to be for, for my skill set. Okay. Um, Bulk season. <laughs> no, so... Um, did you see, by the way, that uh, Baker Mayfield wants to be quicker and slimmer? I did year? see that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, he got that freshman 15 or whatever. and He tried to get bulky last year and yeah. didn't work he lost some <laughs> speeds so and now he's quick and slim yeah okay um so what i was going where i was going with that is i don't know if you remember last year brian burns was a big question mark because he mm-hmm. was really he played really light in college and people wanted to see if he could bulk up and, and still be explosive this year the same type of guy is Kalevon chasen from lsu mm-hmm. and he measured in 6'3 254 and so that's a that's a very good like baseline foundation size for him. He's not actually going to do the testing, which is pretty disappointing because he's the second highest rated edge player on my board. Um, so he'll, we'll probably have to wait and for his pro day or whatever to see how he tests. But I think just coming in at 254 is a solid number for him because he's a very explosive player, you know, very bendy. He's definitely a, a, a traits type player. Like he didn't have very good production in college. And he's he's a guy that you have to sort of project to the NFL. He's a guy who can get better when he learns more moves, when he gets more um, more time in the weight room and all that stuff. And so he was a guy that I was looking forward to watching, but he's actually not going to test. The other guy I was going to mention is Zach Bond from Wisconsin, who is he's a sort of a late riser, I think, in this whole process. He's sort of a hybrid linebacker, defensive end type of guy. He's a very interesting prospect going into the draft because he can kind of do a lot of different things for a defense. He's a former, like, he's just like a multi-sport high school star. He's he's a very, very good athlete. I'm excited to see what he runs. Um, He's the type of guy who teams can have, you know, dropping back on base downs as like a real regular kind of off-ball linebacker, but then he also can... Um, you know, get on the line and rush from the uh, run, rush from the line of scrimmage where he's putting his hand in the dirt and getting upfield. Sort of in the same way, I comped him to Kyle Van Noy. He's also kind of like a Clay Matthews type of guy. Um, so he's 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 going to be very interesting. He's a former high school sprinter, basketball guy, dual threat quarterback, and and he's he's just a very very good athlete. So I'm excited to see what he does this week too. All right. What about defense outside of pass rushing? There's a couple guys where you're saying, okay, I need to see these guys this week. For me, uh, well, number one, all corners need to be fast. And so... Thank you, Danny. <laughs> well, how, like, well, I mean, not, you know, 
It is, they can so, be six three. They can be like, didn't we learn anything from Richard Sherman? He's sort of a unicorn, though. I know. Um, he's. I would say, like, yeah, you don't. It's not necessarily a death knell. If I'm you, mostly joking. There's a Richard Sherman's <laughs> once in a generation. Right. Right. So yeah, I was gonna say basically, you know, the combine is a little bit overrated. You know, receivers How generally dare speaking. You? Well, the, the combine. Is, oh my god! Now you're just, now you're just, you're trying <laughs> to make me angry. Yeah. Um, no, the combine in some cases can be a little bit overrated. For, are you like, saying if, for corners or for everybody? For everybody. Okay. I, but, I, I I sort of disagree with that. Okay. I, mean, I think that there's I think that there's especially when you get into mid round picks. I think that if you are athletic enough, I think you're always worth a flyer. Always. Yeah, and I, don't I agree with should, that. I don't think that a guy like Byron Jones, who set the world on fire four or five years ago and, and jumped broader, as they say, uh, than anybody else in history. <laughs> um, listen, he, he developed into a good cornerback because he worked hard and, and you know, there's a million other things, but the athleticism helps you. And yeah. um, you're starting with the baseline. And one of the things I think that a team like the Chiefs understands, a team like the Ravens, the Seahawks certainly understand it, the Packers have, mm-hmm. is that when in doubt, just take the athlete. And I think a lot of that can can come from the combine. Yeah, I, I definitely don't disagree with you on that. I think for, for some guys, it's, and this is what I've heard from, from multiple, both general managers and scouts and things like that, is the combine serves as a way to cross-check yeah. um, what you have on tape, like what you've shown on tape. Like if a guy comes in and runs way slower that's a big deal because then they go back and like say, did we miss what, did we sure. miss his lack of speed on tape or whatever? Um, but for the most part, it's just a cross check thing. And then I do think what you're saying is true where if guys are freakishly, like if they're the outlier athletes, extreme, extreme athletes, these teams are going to think we're going to, we can take this guy, we can coach him up, we can teach him better techniques and we can turn him into a good player because you do have to have a certain level of, of athleticism to be in the NFL. And if these guys are elite among those types of athletes, I think it definitely matters. But um, so, yeah, I, I think that might sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. But I think overall for like I was just thinking of receivers, receivers yeah. speed is not necessarily the most important thing. There's plenty of the top receivers in the NFL run four fives and that's fine. Having a four four guy or four three guy is, is really important for the offense, but it's not. It's not going to take me. It's not going. I'm not going to take a guy off the board if he runs four five at at receiver. Um, but what I was going to say is at corner, that can be very very important. Yes. Um, you have to be able to run at cornerback. I mean, it's like the most important position to be have that pure blazing speed. And so, I'm excited to just kind of see how these cornerbacks do. Honestly, I think you know most of them are supposed to run really fast, like the top ranked guys but if you see a guy running like a three like in a four five range that can be very bad for for their draft stock honestly so a lot of these guys i think need to pass that test and, there, and a lot of these guys are just really really fast so it's gonna be kind of fun to see how can you fast name some can of the be. can you yeah obviously we know the big names but is there anybody who say these guys are gonna be blazing fast yeah so this guy's sort of a big name jeff gladdy from yeah, T- tcu he's a guy that i really really like i think he'll run really fast and then i have a couple guys um in the in the secondary that are, are supposed to be potentially like four two runners, um, Troy Pride Jr. Um, he was actually a big standout of the Senior Bowl. I thought he played really really well, put his name on the map, probably bumped himself up like a round or two. I think just by how he played at the Senior Bowl, but he could even, I think he could solidify himself even more mm-hmm. with a good good forty. And he's supposed to run in the four three range. 
And he actually said he has his eyes set on running in the 4-2. So he could be like one of the fastest guys at the combine, period. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Troy Pride Jr. from Notre Dame. So keep an eye out for him when he tests. And then Javelin Gidry is another name that Mm -hmm. I think people are kind of buzzing about today or this week. Is is, He's a Utah corner. Um, He's tiny, 5'9", 190 pounds, but... He's a former high school I just wanna, state I just want to make clear, when, you, when we all say someone's buzzing at the Combine, it means two people have mentioned him. Yeah. In this case, Adam Schefter actually tweeted Ooh. about it. So that was like... So he, is it just one? I heard his name, I believe, from Lance Zierling, too. Okay. So, so he, we're he, two people. Yeah. Two of the, so exactly two of the, what I just said. Yes. That's that's a buzz right there. <laughs> it's a harmony. Buzzy prospects. <laughs> Toolsy quarterbacks, buzzy prospects. We, we, we've got it all here. Yeah, um, so, all right. so those are two guys to keep in mind. Okay. Uh, wide receivers, lastly, before we get to the, the dream destinations. Yeah, so the receiver group is is what... I, I would say this class is defined, if not by the quarterbacks and the receivers. It's one of the deepest receiver classes in the decade, really. And yeah. so, you know, this potential to have... I think uh, Mel Kiver Jr. said that 25 receivers could go within the first three rounds, yeah. which will not happen. I'm pretty Ooh. sure. It, it, I mean, it would be very unheard of for that to happen. But Get him. Go after him. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, I mean, that's a, I love the bold, I love the bold guess there. It's probably not going to happen because there's other positions that teams need. But at the same time, it does tell you exactly how deep this group is. I think I saw... Uh, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network has, he said he had 27 guys graded as top three. Yeah, I top, saw that. Top three round guys. So that means, that doesn't mean they're all going to be picked in the top three rounds, but it means this is a deep, deep class of receivers. Um, when you look at this class, a couple questions that I think would be very interesting to get answered is how fast are C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins? Like those two guys, they're not going to run 4-4. Four, four, right. four, well, they're not going to run 4-3, four, 4-2s. Four um, but Higgins, I think I saw this week that he said he wanted to run the four fours, which would be a really, really good number for him. Cause he's kind of that the, there's a big question mark kind of on his overall speed. Same, same goes for lamb. Lamb is my overall number one receiver mm-hmm. just ahead of Jerry Judy. But on tape, he doesn't look like a super sudden, super fast guy. He's just very physical. He, he can run after the catch. He's got great jump ball skills. He's a good route runner, all those things, but he's not super fast looking, at least on tape. I think if he runs just in the four fives, I think people will be very, very comfortable with him being, if not the one, the the wide receiver two. And then if he ends up running faster than that, I mean, that could really, really boost his stock. If he ends up running slower, that could create some question marks for him, I think. So those two guys, Higgins and Lamb, I think if Higgins runs in the four fours, he's going to skyrocket after the draft because, or sorry, after the combine because he's just, he's just a jump ball monster. He, he's just so, so good at the catch point, after the catch, you know, huge, huge production. I comped him to Kenny Galladay. He's just, Ooh. he's just a really exciting player. Um, I know a lot of people have been comping him to uh, AJ Green. So that's another very, very interesting comparison. So, Higgins to me is is a guy that could rise up quite a bit after this week, and then on the other side of the, on the other side of the ball, Rugs, Rager, Lavisca, Chenault, KJ Hamler, uh, these are guys that could potentially run in the four threes and four twos, and they're you know it's not that it's not the most important thing to have four four three four two speed, but I know teams definitely want that speed, I and mean, when we saw Miko Hardman kind of come out of nowhere and. You know, rise up in the drafts because he had a four three time, and 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 the Chiefs 
really, really value that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it was and like, funny because speed, man. I talked to Brett Veach about this, and I've mentioned this in the pod before. But Veach basically said that there are quarterbacks where a guy like Hardman wouldn't actually make that much of a difference because yeah, if he's like on the Raiders with Derek Carr or something like that. Yeah, those are your words, not his. But <laughs> hypothetically, if he was with Derek Carr, there are things you could scheme him up to do, but he's not, Derek Carr is not going to hit him 45 yards down the field on the fly. Right. Exactly. Probably not going to happen. Outlook, not good. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's what you're going to make. All right. Let's, let's uh, create some dream matchups here because sure. I think that one of the things that, that, that we like talking about is, is where these guys might fit best, not from a value standpoint or, or, you know, what, you know, I don't think anybody, we don't, we, we don't want anybody on the Redskins right now. I mean, poor Chase Young has to go <laughs> right. into that. Um, but before we get out of here, give me one dream matchup where you just salivate over the marriage between the player and the franchise. So my number one dream, and I, honestly, like I would love to see this guy on any team because he's one of my favorite players in this draft. Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Yes. Who is listed as, I believe he's listed as a linebacker. But he's really just a linebacker slash safety slash nickelback slash at times rusher. Like he does a little bit he of everything. He is what Bruce Arians named the money backer. Right. Dan Buchanan a couple of years ago. Yes, which was yes. an idea ahead of its time, quite frankly. Yeah. And he, so, so he would fit to me and honestly in any defense just because yeah. he can do anything and everything. But I would just love to see him with the Chargers, man, because I think he's very much, he's a mega Derwin James. I just would love to see that because what they could do with those two guys on the field together um, I mean, just the options I think would be limitless in terms of how they could use them as both coverage guys, as run defenders, as as situational blitzers. It just would be a lot of fun, and seeing those guys on the same team, I think, would just be super exciting to to study and to watch. And so that's like my dream matchup, and it actually is somewhat possible because the Chargers have, I believe, the sixth pick, and so that I don't think Simmons is getting out of the top ten. And if the Chargers decide not to take a quarterback at that spot, Simmons could be a pretty good choice for them, and so. I really like that pairing. Um, the second one I was going to mention is C.D. Lamb, which we had just talked about, going to the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I don't know what they're going to do in the first round. Is is That's going to be a very interesting team for me because they have a lot of needs on the defense, obviously, but I think their their whole identity and direction is centered around their offense, centered around Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, like what they can do on offense, building a, you know, they're not the Chiefs, but building a Chiefs-style juggernaut offense, I think is going to be the goal there, not just to be like completely balanced. I think, I feel like they would be able to hit the ground running really quickly because not only has CeeDee Lamb played with Kyler Murray from their time together at Oklahoma, um, but he played in sort of a similar spread offense type of thing where, you know, he's utilizing space over the middle of the field. He's They're creating situations where he can, get run after the catchability. I mean, that's like a huge, huge part of his skill set is uh, his ability to break tackles in the open field. I mean, there's times, honestly, where he looked like Kyler, or he looked like uh, Alvin Kamara after the catch where he's just bouncing off tackle attempts. Um, so I just think he'd be a great fit in that offense, number one. And, and number two, there's already that built-in familiarity with Kyler Murray and, and kind of get get them running, you know, hit the ground running, essentially. And so I think, yeah, I mean, that would give them the foundation and a nice boost to what could be a really good receiver core. If they get, if they get a better uh, performance from Andy Isabella next season, who was a second round pick last season, he didn't really play much in the first season. Um, Christian Kirk is still an ascending player um, in the NFL. And then obviously, like we said, you know, get Larry Fitz in there running, running routes out of the slot in the red zone, things like that. They could definitely kind of, I think surprise people next season. So that would be another one that I would just like to see a lot. 
Okay. We are all much smarter on the draft. Danny Kelly, thank you for coming on the show and uh, happy combine. Thanks, man. Love it. I love this week. So I'm just really looking forward to seeing all this testing. It's going to be, it's going to be in prime time this, this week, which is, is a big, big change. So I'm excited to see how that all goes.